Hi, hello, this is Grace and welcome to episode 2 of part 1 of US History Cracked. In this episode, we're going to talk about the planting of English America. So basically, how did England first come to America and start colonizing places and we're going to learn about the first ever states of the US. So the first thing I want to talk about is England's imperial stirrings. So England didn't start off super strong or dominant at that time since um, you may have heard from the last episode that Spain was actually really strong and had a lot of control in Central and South America in the 1600s. For example, Spain had Santa Fe. And aside from Spain, we have France and Britain as well. So France had Quebec in Canada and Britain had Jamestown. And the thing is, in the 1500s, um, Britain couldn't colonize effectively because of internal conflicts. So this is why the Spain took such a big lead on colonization and imperialism and all that stuff. It's because um, Britain had some internal conflicts, such as some religious conflicts. Like King Henry VIII, he broke, um, he broke apart, so he separated from the Roman Catholic Church and he launched an English Protestant Reformation. So this was in the 1530s. So this religious conflict causes um, some hinder, it hinders Britain to colonize and explore the world. But in the next part I want to talk about is when Elizabeth energizes England. So first of all, it's someone really important is Francis Drake, and he was knighted by Elizabeth for pirating Spanish ships and sailing the globe. So this was important because this angered the Spanish, who then wanted revenge, right? So after this Eng this English dude, he he you know pirated some Spanish ships, and now the Sp now the Spanish are mad at them, right? So they want revenge. Now this may sound bad, but it's actually essential for Britain's path to colonization. So, first what happens is that English people, they did try to colonize the New World. Like, they actually did have some attempts. Uh, one example of it is the Lost Colony, led by Sir Walter Raleigh. The thing is, they um, their attempts actually failed quite badly, so... They did try, but the, this colony was called the Lost Colony for a reason. So, um, Sir Walter, he tried to colonize the New World, we're not even sure where, but he tried to colonize North America, but then one day he lost his entire colony, and even to this day, it remains a mystery of where his people went. They just disappeared in the morning. So yeah, so that's one of their fails, one of many of their fails. But now let's move away from that. Remember Spain seeking revenge? Yeah, so in 1588, Spain, who is seeking revenge, Spain attacked Britain. So he, they attacked Britain for revenge, but then the Spanish actually lost in something called the Spanish Armada. And this opened the door for Britain to cross the Atlantic. So because Britain beat the Spanish, they have access to, um, to their seas, right? So Spain is close to the Atlantic Ocean. So defeating the Spanish would open that route for them. So this allowed the British to swarm America and then finally take over the lead in power and colonization. So think about it, without Francis Drake pirating those ships, the Spanish would not have wanted revenge and then they would not have fought in the Sp Spanish Armada and then Britain would not have had the route through the Atlantic Ocean. So all of this, this sequence of events is actually what put um, England onto the route of colonization. Okay, but just a side note, aside from colonization, 
um, Elizabeth took England to new heights as well, such as in literature. It was the Shakespeare Golden Age. Um, also, there was British dominance at sea, and there was also a strong government. Uh, also, yeah, there was revenge and stuff like that, but there was finally a peace treaty between Britain and Spain in 1604. So luckily, they did make up in the end. <laughs> okay, part three. Let's talk about this third part of this episode. So England on the eve of empire. In the 1500s, Britain's population was growing. And they came up with a new enclosure policy, which means that they're going to fence in land for farming. So they're going to like keep more land for farming, which means that there's less or no land for the poor, right? So there's also this, they also had something called the tradition of primogeniture, primogeniture, which is just when the firstborn son inherits all of the father's land. And the younger ones, the younger siblings, sisters, whatever, they would try their luck somewhere else because they don't get any of their father's land and they need to survive. So they would go somewhere else like America. And uh, also what pushed um, England to the eve of empire is in the 1600s, there was something called the Joint Stock Company, which is where investors, they put in money into a company uh, with hopes for a good return. So basically they're like, okay, you're a company, I'm going to give you money, and I hope that you're going to do something good that gives me good returns. Basically, that's what happened. So all of these is what kind of pushed England to colonize even more. And next we have Jamestown. So in 1606, the Virginia Company, which existed for the sole purpose of making a profit and then selling it afterwards. So the only reason the Virginia Company existed was to make money and then sell it. Um, so the ver this company received a charter from King James, the one, to make a settlement in the New World. So they're like, oh, hey you, Virginia Company, uh, come here, I want you to go to the New World and go settle in the New World. So this king uh, gave rights to the settlers, and it gave rights to the settlers, the same rights as Englishmen in Britain. So you have the same rights as we do here in Britain, it's just that now you are going to go for me into the New World. So in 1607, a hundred English settlers founded Jamestown. Now it all sounds really fun and all, but there were several problems, such as diseases, oh my, all the diseases that took over the men. There was wasted time looking for gold, like greed took over their hearts and the lust for gold wasted a lot of their time. Like think about it, when you first arrive somewhere, there's more important things to think about. Like even I know this from playing Minecraft, like we have to look for wood, for shelter, for water. But these men waste their time looking for gold. And another thing to note is that there was poor drinking water. So yes, I did mention looking for water. And even if they found water, it was not safe for drinking. So what saved them? Okay, so in 1608, one year later, John Smith, really English name, he took over and restored everyone. So he came back and pretty much whipped and lashed everyone back into shape and put everyone back in order. Uh, so yeah, he pretty much saved their lives and saved their butts, but he was kidnapped by some local Indians and saved by Powhatan's daughter Pocahontas. Wow, what a drama. So yeah, you know the Disney movie Pocahontas? So that's what it's based off of. It's based off a true story where um, a colonizer was kidnapped and then fell in love with the Indian uh, daughter. So this was meant to show that Powhatan wanted peaceful relations with colonists. So some argue that this was 
like meant to be on purpose and then he did it purposefully to show that oh you see we want to be peaceful with you but like it's never it's never sure whether it was an act or for real and then so then in the end all we have to remember is that smith contributed by giving order and discipline so he was a main he played a major role in putting them back in shape and he also plays a major role later on that we will be talking about Okay, and then after him in 1610, Lord Delaware, an English politician, he arrived to alleviate the suffering. Now let's talk about Chesapeake, which is Virginia. So first of all, there was uh, the, one of the really important themes in all of U.S. history is cultural clashes. So you're going to see constantly, especially at the beginning and even throughout um, history, even today, you can think about it. Like we had residential schools and even some things like water acts and uh, shelters for these Indians, but there's always tensions between the native and the English. Okay, so at first, Powhatan, which was um, the in the local Indians, he considered potential peace, and then maybe we can be allies with the colonists. But then, as time passed and colonists raided their food supplies, relations worsened to um, to be to even start wars. So think about it, English people, you are literally visitors of their land, but then you steal their food supplies. Like, of course, that's going to make relations worse, right? So then wars happen because of that. In 1614, there was the first Anglo-Pohadan War, and that war was settled with the marriage of Pocahontas and colonist John Rolfe. However, Rolfe was killed along with many men at the hands of the Indians. So since now Pocahontas' husband is dead, there was a second war in six, uh, 1644 to 46. But that's when... Um, the colonists effectively banished the Chesapeake Indians from their lands. And after settlers, um, they learned how to begin their own food, so then Indians became useless to them and they just banished them, which is pretty mean if you ask me. It's like, oh, I don't need you anymore, goodbye. But, you know, just because they know how to grow their own food, they don't need them anymore. So that was kind of mean, and that still continue, that attitude sometimes still continues to this day when there's discrimination against First Nations, even in society today. So you can see how the present day is reflected um, from our history. Uh, now, moving on to continuing on the idea of Virginia, we're going to talk about tobacco. So Jamestown's gold was found. It was tobacco, which was the cash crop for Europe. So the greed for land was because of tobacco and now this plant tobacco, it was actually really bad for the soil, like it took away the nutrients super quickly and then you can't use the land anymore, it's ruined. So that's why so much land was needed to produce this, to produce this plant and to make money, right? And something else that's super important is in 1619, uh, something cr was created called the House of Burgesses. And this was created by some settlers, and basically, it was like a committee to work out local issues. Now, you might think, oh, it's just like some other minor event, but no, this is really important because it set a precedent for America to embark on a self-rule pathway. So this is the first ever action of um, America taking a self-rule pathway, right? So they're setting up this House of Burgesses for themselves to like create a committee to work out local issues. So if you think of what we have today, that's just basically a bigger and more complex version of the House of Burgesses. And in 1619, the first African Americans arrive in America. And although history says that we're not sure whether they are slaves or indentured servants, 
they uh, indentured servants are basically just slaves. So indentured servants are basically is just a contract between two people where um, the African American would work for like a specified amount of time in exchange for the price of a passage to America. But you know, sometimes they never get that passage to America, right? And they're just kept as slaves. So basically, one way or another, it's just implying that African Americans arrive in America and were basically used, which is really, really negative. Okay, now let's talk about Maryland, uh, which is also known as Catholic Haven at that time. So this state, or this Maryland, is known for religious diversity at that time. So in 1634, Lord Baltimore founded Maryland and it was the second plantation colony, so the fourth overall colony formed. So by 1634, you already had four colonies uh, and the second plantation one. Now the purpose for this was to serve as a safety place for persecuted Catholics. So it's pretty much just like, come Catholics, you are safe with me here. Um, but although it was like a um, Catholic haven, there was still some friction since the poorer people were Protestants and the richer people received huge estates from Lord Baltimore. Uh, this, this colony also prospered with tobacco and also had indentured servants, which is terrible. Something else that, was, that should be noted is the Act of Intoleration, which was just very basically guaranteed religious tolerance to all Christians but decreed the death penalty to Jews and atheists and others who don't believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. So this act is basically just like, okay, all of you Christians are tolerated, but anyone else you shall die, which is, which is kind of not nice as well. But at that time, that was how it worked. Okay, now let's talk about the West Indies. So while colonizing Virginia, people were also looking at the West Indies. So in the mid-1600s, England had many West Indies, such as, like an example, is Jamaica in 1655. So these plantations were brutal, and they grew a lot, a lot of sugar, which is good for money, but it was horrible because thousands of African slaves were needed to operate these sugar plantations. And at first, it was supposed to be Indians, like it was supposed to be um, Indians who were intended to be used, but the thing is, remember what I said about diseases killing them off? Yeah, so the disease killed 90% of all Native Americans. So who are they going to turn to? African Americans. Sheesh. So then they came up with something called slave codes, which was basically like a literal code that defined the legal status of slaves and the rights of their masters. Which is horrible. They're not even treating them like humans anymore. Okay, so let's move away from that and let's talk about Carolinas. So in England, King Charles I was beheaded and the restoration, so the restoration is basically restoring Charles II um, and this interrupted colonization. However, in 1670, Carolina was formally created and named after Charles II and the, this colony shared close economic ties with the West Indies. Okay, so there were strict slave codes, but interestingly enough, Indian slaves were protested and sent to West Indies to work, which is really funny if you think about it. Like, there were really, really strict slave codes, but they don't want Indian slaves. Like, they don't, they protest against Indian slaves and send them to the West Indies, which is kind of ironic if you ask me. 
and in the Carolinas, rice emerged as the principal crop, and African slaves were hired because of their resistance to malaria and their familiarity with rice. So as you can see, these people are just using African Americans to make more and more money, whether it's tobacco, sugar, or rice, or whatever plant, they're using these people to make money. Okay, now let's talk about the emergence of North Carolina. So many newcomers, to, like so many people who came to the Carolinas were squatters, quote unquote squatters. So this is just like a nickname or a name for people who settle on land they don't own. So it's basically just like, I'm going to squat here. It's not my land, but I'm going to settle here anyway. So yeah, that's, that's what a squatter is. And North Carolina Carolinians, they developed a strong resistance to authority. So because of the geographic isolation from neighbors, so like they're not that close with anyone, they, they developed a strong resistance to authority. So they don't want to be like bossed around and stuff like that. So because of this, two flavors of Carolinians were developed. So like two ideas, I guess, or two sides. One is the aristocratic and wealthier, which is in the South. And two is the independent-minded in the North on the small tobacco farms. So you can see like the two flavors of the Carolinians. So that's why in 1712, the Carolinas were separated into North and South. In 1711, though, there was further Indian versus colonizer conflict. What, like I said before, it's going to be a, a continuous recurring motif in um, U.S. history. So the Tuscarora Indians attacked North Carolina and were crushed. And they were, there was hundreds of them sold to slavery. So yeah, Indians can, it's really rare for Indians to beat the English because of the English's um, advancement in technology and things like that. So let's talk about... Georgia, which is a buffer colony. So Georgia was meant to be a buffer colony between British colonies and Spanish settlements. So Florida, which was like kind of hostile, hostile, and also the enemy, um, the French enemy in Louisiana. So think about it. There's the British, the Spain, and the French, right? So they want to have Georgia to create like a bit of space between them. So it's not like they're always like so tense, you know, like a little buffer. And 1733, uh, well, something founded by a high-minded group of phila philanthropists, mainly James, and um, they named Georgia after King George II. Um, and yeah, so there was, it was all Christians and not Catholics who enjoyed religious toleration as well. And Georgia is the colony that grew very, very slowly. Because remember, it's actually meant to be a buffer. And if they can't really make money out of it, they're not going to pay that much attention. So it grew very, very slowly. So I'm just going to summarize some of these plantation colonies. So remember, some important characteristics of these colonies were that there's slavery in all of these colonies. In all plantation colonies, you're going to find slavery. And the growth of these cities were stunted by forests, and the establishment of churches and schools were difficult because of the people being so spread out, right? Because if they're on farms and plantations, it's not like today when everyone's grouped together and your neighbors are literally like a few meters away from you. No, everyone's like so spread out that building these community services like churches and schools is really hard. And in the South, some crops were tobacco and rice, some indigo in South Carolina, and these always overall are made to make money. And all plantation colonies permitted some religious toleration and experienced often confrontations with Native Americans, as I've mentioned previously. 
Okay, so that's just like an overall big summary of all of the colonies we talked about in this episode. Something else important, other than the colonies, to remember is the Iroquois. So these are Indians, and they're made up of the Mohawks, Juanitas, Onondagas, Cayugas, and the Senecas. So they competed with neighbor, neighboring Indians and later the French, English, and Dutch for supremacy, so the state of being superior. So it's basically just like an alliance, I guess, of like five or six Indian groups. So they bonded together and they compete with neighboring Indians and also like the French and English later on for being superior, like gaining land and things like that. Uh, however, throughout the 1600s and 1700s, they did ally with the British and French until the American Revolution. Uh, but during the American Revolution, you know that they had to like be split up, right? Like, who am I going to side with? And most but not all sided with the British. Uh, however, they were, they were forced to reservations, and those reservations were proved to be unbearable. So never a happy ending for them, sadly. All in all today, in episode 2, The Planting of English America, we talked about numerous plantation colonies, the horrors of the start of African American slaves, um, as well as some like religious ideas and recurring themes, such as uh, the English versus the natives. Uh, stay tuned for episode 3, where we continue our path through US history cracked. Thank you!